Hey everyone, and welcome to another week of Battle of the Atom, your only weekly X-Men podcast where I, Zach Jenkins, and my co-host, Adam Reck, go through three X-Men stories, and we talk about them to put them on our list from best to worst X-Men stories ever of all time ever. Adam, what's up? Hey man, how are we doing? You know, I've been feeling a little, little under the weather. Have a, have a bit of that uh, stuffy nose, but I'm getting through it. Maybe, How about yourself? Maybe you need uh, to have some adamantium removed from your body. or Podcast uh... over. You're done. <laughs> done. Bad joke. Bad jokes. I do not have adamantium poisoning because I'm not, I'm not a berserker man with claw arms. What I am is a podcast host on this podcast where we're going to talk about some X-Men stories. We got a couple of crossovers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and we got a one-shot that has more creators than either of those crossovers combined. Oh, my God. It's insane. It is so insane. Uh, but the first thing we have comes to us from a Patreon. His name is... Nigel Anders. Nigel, thank you very much for your request of Fatal Attractions, the 1990-something crossover. <laughs> like, 90, 94? 94? Hold on, let me, let me check. Because Mutant Genesis was 91. It's 93. 93. Summer of 93. Summer of 93. I was close. No, because 94 is AOA. I should know that. Yep. Yeah, okay. The 1993 crossover of literally all the X-Men books. Nothing nothing stood out of this or stayed out of this one. Uh yeah, well, I mean, they're kind of disconnected. Um there's there's slight overlap. Um, this is a weird weird crossover. It's got like, holograms, dude. Holograms. Okay, yeah. We do need to talk about the covers. <laughs> they are wraparound covers with very 90s art. But they all have holograms. That's right. Of different characters. Now, I think the most important question is, which one's the best hologram? Oof. Uh... I think I have the answer. All right, which one do you, which one do you I, want to vote for? I, I'm looking at them right now. I think that the hologram cover of X-Men 25 with Gambit is probably the best one because he's throwing cards and they're coming right at you. It gets the 3D. It does. It uses the 3D in a way that none of the others do. Yeah. All right, I'll go with that. Okay. It's explosive. Best. Yeah. Plus, that's the that's that good cover with uh, Magneto using his magnet powers on Wolverine to some effect. Uh, um, mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, the costume is ripping. <laughs> so, Adam. Yes. I assume that you purchased every one of these issues. Yes, sir. At 350 Uh-huh. What what do you what do you think about Fatal Attractions? <sighs> All right, um, I think I talked a little bit 
uh, when we when we covered mutant genesis already about some of the side effects of mutant genesis things like uh exodus and the acolytes and uh later on after this you know well after this we get into like you know magneto clone joseph um joseph uh yeah so fatal attractions is uh is a piece of work it's loosely connected um it's really trying very hard to be extreme in in a a lot of really weird ways right so we're gonna have madrox explode out of a guy (laughs) uh that part okay I when I did my initial uh I did my initial read of some of this stuff a few years back and I had skipped the X Factor one cuz uh-huh. I was like okay what's important here oh uh Exodus shows up for a panel just to have this kind of tie in fine whatever I don't care I know what Exodus is I know his deal I didn't know that Madrox blows up a dude with a dupe oh god like you can just see the the image uh, effect all over this you know there, there's just so much stuff that needs to be uh, t- you know we're gonna everything's bloody and gory and it's, it's like what this is this is a little bit uh, and it's not that x-men is not bloody and gory sometimes we just covered wounded wolf um, right last, in last week episode, in the in the last, last week uh <laughs> not not 10 minutes ago not 10 minutes ago um but there's a you know I, I just think that it's a little odd that, you know, this is a single crossover and uh, here we have Magneto and anything that he can touch that's metal, he is going to mess it up. You know, it, here's here's Cable. He's back. Congratulations. Oh, yeah. He's going to get his metal messed up. You know, here's here's Wolverine. He's going to get his metal messed up. It's like, okay, okay, hold on, hold on. Let, let's back up for one second because Wolverine losing his adamantium is legit a good a good beat. Like sure. Peter David was joking when he pitched it. Yep. He has said for years, yeah, I was kidding. I, I thought it was stupid, but it works. Literally nothing that happens after that moment works about the story. Mm. But, but, but the pitch, that one page where Magneto's like, you know what? I've been just throwing you up against a wall for years. Screw you, dude. And he rips out all his metal and it's like, okay, I to me that's like very 90s in the right way. Mm-hmm. There's and and I I want to say there's some good stuff happening here. Um you know, there's some really fun art. Uh, I think Quesada does a really good uh issue yeah, well, for X Factor. Um Greg, Joe Quesada? Yeah. Capullo? Uh, Greg, Greg Capullo is on this um who, you know, his X-Force run is is my favorite. Um you know, I love the work that he did there. Um, the jam issue of, of uncanny 304, which has, um, John Romita Jr. Jay Lee, um, Paul Smith jumps on for a little bit, uh, yeah. Andy Hubert on X-Men 25 and his um, brother, uh, his brother Wolverine. jumps on Wolverine 25. Um, I'm not sure who the artist is on the Excalibur one, but Ken Lashley. Oh, is that okay? I keep forgetting Ken Lashley's been drawing comics for a while. Hey, cool. Um, Cause he's currently, he's currently drawing gold and you can see his style start here. He's very much house style in Excalibur, but yes. and he develops his own kind of electric style that he's doing right now, which I dig. I mm-hmm. dig that a lot, but that's not this book. Yeah, this this whole thing just feels um, a little bogged down. You know, like uh, I'll go to bat for 
I'm sure we'll cover Executioner's song at some point, you know, but this really feels like a sales grab, um, especially with, you know, the hologram covers, the, yeah. the longer issues. It's very vaguely connected from one thing to the next. And really the only thing that a lot of it has in common is some acolytes show up or Exodus shows up. Um, and, you know, the core of it, has some interesting stuff happening to it. Um, you know, the actual stuff with uh, Magneto that's the sequel to Mutant Genesis. But beyond that, uh, you know, like the, it's an interesting sort of, uh, I don't know what the right word to call it is. Um, mistake? I, I, I don't know if I'd go that <laughs> far. It just, you know, it's grasping. It's grasping a lot. It's and six issues. This mm-hmm. is a six-issue crossover. Yeah. And do you know what you need? You need three pages from X-Force. You need X-Men and Uncanny X-Men. And then you are you might need, like, the letter that Wolverine writes Jubilee when he leaves. Yeah, I think That's it. Yeah, I mean, for continuity's sake, that you're, you're pretty much covered there. Um, I mean, if you've been following X-Factor, um, there's uh, an interesting subplot that gets revealed as part well, of the issue. Wide awake. Um, yeah. But that doesn't that only impacts X Factor. Right. So if you've been reading that, it's it's still, you know, good. I just think as a crossover, I'm not really sold on on how this works. Um there are individual things here that I I would like to go back and look at. Um, you know, am I really like, you know, pacing to jump back in? No. No. It's got great moments. And those moments are great if they live on with someone being like, Oh, you remember this really cool page from X Men? Man, X-Men in the 90s was cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's what they're going for. So, you know, if, if, if that's the level you're at, then um, that's all. That's where we're going to go. Um, all right. Now, what level do you think this goes on our list? Uh, let, 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 let me throw one out here. Yeah, go for it. Better or worse than the first Juggernaut story? I think that's where I was looking in the list. Um, this is not, by for my money, better than Battle of the Atom. Um, I think that's fair. I, I'm, I would rather revisit that uh, than the other. Um, I do think I do think it's it's better than the Silver Age story, if only because it uh, it has some some character beats in it that you know are consequential, um, that have have impact on continuity. There's some some great art here. Um, you know, I think if, I think if the silver age story was a true Jack Kirby, not just Jack Kirby doing what looks like pretty minimal layout works. And frankly, the layouts aren't all that much to talk about in that juggernaut story. I think we'd be talking a little differently, Sure, but I think, I think having that as the number 11 spot on our list between battle of the atom and the first juggernaut story in X-Men 12 and 13 is a good place for it. Perfect. Yeah, Perfect. I think that makes a lot of sense. And um, I'm very glad that we're going to move on to uh, something that doesn't involve bone claws. <laughs> uh... He's got bone claws. Oh, yeah, I keep... Okay, that's just always been a thing since I've been into X-Men. Like, I keep forgetting that that was a big deal. Well... That he mm. had real claws and they weren't implemented implanted by weapon x i keep forgetting that part it's weird it's it's so weird i think Uh it works better in retrospect but i can i can see that being weird yeah bone claws um (laughs) sorry it's fun to say bone claws (laughs) (laughs) it'd be a good metal band name but 
Yeah, I'd do that. Yeah, maybe. Bone claws. I don't know. All right, that those don't even sound like words anymore. <laughs> it's just a single word. Bone claws. Bone claws. It's next to your uh, elbow. <laughs> <laughs> depending on the artist. Depending on the artist and how 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 big they want to make them. Yeah. But uh, the next story, the next story on our list is X Men Messiah Complex. This is the massive X Men crossover that kicked off a lot of stuff. Uh, yeah. Many, many stories from 2008. Absolutely. Uh, this is written by Ed Brubaker, Peter David, who was writing X Factor again, uh, Craig and Kyle, Craig Kyle and Chris Yost, and Mike Carey, with art, pencils by Mark Silvestri, Billy Tan. Scott Eaton, Umberto Ramos, and Chris Bachelot. This is the story where Hope, the mutant messiah, is born, and then the Reavers and the Purifiers and the X-Men and Cable all try and capture her. Everyone's looking for a baby. Yeah. And it's a good, good time. I was so so pleasantly surprised with this. Um, Had you seriously not read this? I have I have read pieces of this, um, and you know specifically remember being like very iffy about the beginning of this story, just kind of being like, well, all right, where they murder a whole town, yeah, right? You know, but I gotta say, this was awesome. Um, right. You know, especially since we just talked about a, a crossover that was pretty big um, that does not particularly feel cohesive or work. This really works. And I will say there are some things in it where I was like, I'm not sure if this is going to work. Um, I think one of the things that when I f- first started, um, you know, getting to it was pulling me out of it um, was the variety of art that you're seeing. Yeah, here. I I think that's that's something you have to talk about when it comes to this story. Um, ultimately, though, I think it's interesting that uh, the Ramos uh, issues are actually the most violent of mm-hmm. the rest of them. It's it's an interesting contrast um, that some of the more realistic stuff. So we're going from a very kind of cartoon stylized stuff that that there's you know the the um, Chris Bachalo stuff kind of um, bridges that a little bit. Right. Yeah. It's kind of it, in between super detailed, but pretty, uh, pretty anime ish. Yeah. And then on the art. flip side of that, we actually have, um, I'm not sure which the artist it is. It, it might be tan. One of them is actually doing Patrick Stewart as professor X. Um, okay. But they were doing Patrick Stewart as professor X before Patrick Stewart was on the enterprise. I, I'm just, I'm just saying like <laughs> that, that gamut, uh, in here should really be a big, bigger distraction than it actually right. is. And I'm really impressed with the fact that there's this many people on the creative team and that the story works. The motivation for the characters works. The giant cast of this does not collapse the story like it, oh, it really should. Because the, cla- the cast is huge. Because at this point, you have uh, the Supernovas, Supernovas team from Mike Carey's run, right. which was like seven guys. You've got the core call them astonishing team because it really wasn't Brubaker's team mm-hmm. uh, you've got the new X-Men kids plus any just new X-Men kid that was just hanging around you've got X-Factor and then you've got the Reavers and the Marauders 
And then the purifiers who are just, they're nameless bigots. But... Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, there's a lot of moving pieces here. You know, you've oh, got yeah. Madrax clones going to alternate futures. You've got Cable wandering around solo in Lone Wolf and Cub uh, mode. Right. You know, you've got Bishop, you've got Sentinels attacking. You're not sure what anybody's motivations are for large portions of this. But then when it makes sense, everything kind of clicks in and it is great. Um, right. You know, the the fight scenes in this are fantastic. Um, yes. They, they're not filler. It makes sense why everybody is doing what it is they're doing. So I loved this. Yeah, this is this is so good. It it knows it has a huge, huge cast and it gives all of them something to do. And I think part of that is like predator X, the, the, the monster mm-hmm. that's in it. I think that's the weakest part. I would agree. I think, I think it's weird. It kind of feels unnecessary, but it also exists to make sure that everyone has something to do so I can appreciate it. Yeah. It's, I go it's back a and nice forth little on that. plot, you know, that yeah. it threads through, but like the, the continuing story with hope and cable, that's that's so good. You got the stuff with Bishop that is interesting and I think took his character in a direction that worked. Yeah. Damage to the character long term, but mm. it worked. Yeah, it, it's uh, hard to uh, to pull back from that kind of a villain mode, you know, baby well, killing. Um, well, I, I do love I do love uh, just as a sidebar that that, you know, no one bought it when they tried to redeem him in Uncanny X-Force. But yeah. uh, right now, uh, what's his name? Uh Soul, Charles Soul is just saying, guys, let's just pretend that we all did buy that. <laughs> right. <laughs> and let's let him be Bishop from the 90s again. Yeah, well, Can we just do that? Yeah. I'm okay with that. That's the Bishop I like. Um, yeah. Clearly. Um, I also I also think that the, the callbacks um, to um, classic stories, you know, like the, the X Factor um, send off of, of Baby Nathan or um, Mystique's uh, Destiny backstory. They work, they resonate very well with this. It it doesn't seem um, sort of tossed offhand. It it seems like it fits the story very well. Yeah, this is, this is good. I think it's great. I really, I really like Messiah Complex. I go back and forth and I know we're going to cover it on a future episode, but I go back and forth between if of the Messiah trilogy, I like this or second coming the best. It depends on, depends on the time of day. Okay. But this is a super, super good story. It's worth reading. It sets up so much that I think I think the one downside, and this is more if you were reading at the time, is a lot of the stuff in between Messiah Complex and, say, Second Coming, that's the true sequel to this, really feels like spinning your wheels for a yeah. couple of years. Yep. Trying to, you know, you're getting to when does hope come back? Because mm-hmm. it it puts that in the air and then doesn't doesn't drop it, but. I like I like Messiah Complex a lot. So where do where do we put it? Uh, I I would say it's better as a whole than Wounded Wolf. Yes. Um, I don't know. I mean, I is it? I think it's better than Mutant Genesis. Dark Angel Saga is really comparable to it, but I I I, I think I think Messiah Complex because it is a celebration of x-men as a whole and as a concept it works and resonates more with me than this very good but very focused dark angel saga i'm fine with that so we're talking number four now it's moving up 
Uh, what do you? How do you feel about it compared to worst X Men ever? Well, I hold worst X Men ever very close to my heart. So me too. <laughs> I, so I, I, I don't know. I, I don't I think, think I worst can... X Men ever does more with the space it's allotted. Yes, yes. It takes it takes more risks, but. I, I got to say, you know, like Messiah Complex just succeeds very well as as a as an X Men crossover, and many of them do not. Um, this is what X Men crossovers should be. Yeah, everyone has a purpose, everyone has a place. Mm-hmm. Nothing feels like filler. I'm and very comfortable putting it at number four. I think that's fine. All right, number four, Messiah Complex, and to be clear. If you're ever going to write Messiah Complex, the last X is capitalized. Capitalize that That's last official. X. That's official. That's right. You capitalize that last X. That is a recipe right. for fun. Recipe for fun. <laughs> well, do you know what else is a recipe for something? Uh, how about like a bajillion creators on a jam book? On a jam book. We're talking our last book this week. Heroes for Hope, starring the X-Men. Deep breath. <laughs> well, before before we jump into it. Yes. We need to we need we very much need to provide context for this book. Sure. This book uh it came out in what year is it? 1985. Yep. Uh and it was an idea that Jim Starlin had uh well, he proposed Bernie Wrights and another comic book creator came up with it. They proposed it to Jim Shooter, the editor-in-chief at Marvel, and said, I want to do a benefit book for famine relief in Africa because that was huge at the time. Sure. You know, this is this is a Marvel Comics version of Live Aid. Um, right. Which, fun fact, the I forget what organization was it, the main organization that was uh, trying to work on famine relief in Africa. Mm-hmm. Uh, they would not accept Marvel's check. Really? I was wondering yeah. if you had any, any depth on that because, you know, so where did the money go? I'm sure I could have looked that up. I, I mean, that, that I do know that larger... all proceeds from this comic book are being donated to famine relief and recovery in Africa. And I truly believe that Marvel comics did that. I'm yeah. I'm, I'm sure that, that, that it went to some kind of group. I just think it's interesting. Um, you know, <laughs> yeah. All right. So do we want to get into the, uh, the creative teams here? I think I think we start slow. Okay. We can we can tell you that the story as a whole, the overall plot was written by Chris Claremont and Ascenti, Bernie Wrightson, Jim Starlin, and Jim Shooter. It has covers by Art Adams and Jim Starlin. Mm-hmm. Very important that this had editors, <laughs> because this was edited by Nascenti and Claremont, and they did a lot with Pat Levins and Terry Cavanaugh helping out. But it was written by Stanley. Pencil with by. pencils, but <laughs> am I doing the pencils? <laughs> Wait, hold on, let's do this. So, what we're gonna do? We're gonna give you the writer and the pencil for each chunk of it. Okay. So I'm gonna do writers. Adam, you're gonna do pencils. Sounds yes, good. Sir. You got it. Stanley. John Romita Jr. Stanley. John Buscema. Ed Brandt. Uh, Brent Anderson. Louise Simonson. John Byrne. Ed Brandt. Brent Anderson. Stephen King. Huh? Bernie Wrightson. <laughs> Bill Mantlo. Charlie Vess. Ed Brandt. Brent Anderson. Alan Moore. Wait, what? Richard Corbin. <laughs> Anna Senti. Mike Kaluta. 
Harlan Ellison. Frank Miller. Chris Claremont. Brian Bollins. Joe Duffy. John Bolton. Mike Barron. Steve Rude. Denny O'Neill. Brip Levins. George R. R. Martin. Say what? Herb Trimp. <laughs> Bruce Jones. Ray Morrow. Steve Englehart. Paul Galassi. Jim Shooter. Alan Weiss. Mike Greel. Jackson Geis. Archie Goodwin. And Howard Chaikin. With inks by, and this is just a few, Klaus Jensen does inks here. Richard Corbin, Al Milgram, Bill Sienkiewicz, Sal Buscema, Bob Layton, Joe Rubenstein, Steve Lealoa, Walt Simonson, Glennis Oliver does some colors, Marie Severin does colors on some of this, Anna Senti gets her pens dirty. This is just a jam-packed issue. It is a big 48 pages. Yeah, and I'm going to be real honest. It's not good. No, it's bad. It's really bad. bad. I mean, there's a hundred something people on this thing and it is not good. Um, it's a case of too many cooks <sighs> trying to trying to do something very good. And I know that this book made money and I know that that money helped a lot of people who needed help. Yeah. I sure. also know it's not good. No. Um, I As a story. Yeah, I mean, if we just talk about it in terms of its of its substance, um, this, as a story, reads very similar to an 80s mom or dad telling their kid to eat their vegetables because they're starving kids in Africa. Um, yeah. It doesn't have any more substance or depth than that. Um, and that's unfortunate because this crisis, it's a very complicated issue that really could have been a very interesting X-Men story. Um, one of the things that I thought about while I was reading through this was um, Greg Pak's um, Make It Rain uh, Storm story, uh, uh-huh. which you know handles a subject like famine, like hunger, or just a simple thing like irrigation in a very interesting way, but with a superhero. Right. This does not do that. Um, no, it treats, it treats famine as a a weird sci-fi horror boogeyman. And it also doesn't make sense. It's not incredibly coherent. It's a lot of, as you would imagine with a book with 20 writers on it, it's a lot of vignettes. It's a lot of small sections of here's a quick chunk of the story and they all are supposedly connected, but it doesn't always work that way. No, the transitions from one to the other are are very, very drastic. A a lot of the first half of the book especially is um, these little vignettes just with one character. And then the second half of the book is, you know, the the X-Men actually going to help out with relief work. But then that also gets interrupted by Rogue stealing powers and fighting off a cave monster. Uh, a cave monster that is the concept of what famine or the concept of like it's malice in the world it's some it's supposed to be some concept but it is a gross cave monster it is and it's just i i don't like that the um and obviously we're looking at this out you know from from a big distance historically but the idea that the idea uh, excuse me that the the concept of hunger um could be simplified to a supervillain called Hungary. Um, at least that's how the, the thing identifies itself early on. Just it, it, 
it seems almost inappropriate in a lot of ways um, because it discounts the, the, all of the things that caused this famine. You know, it, it was not a simple thing that caused these people to die by the hundreds of thousands. It's, it's deep. Um, You know, it involves politics. It involves economics. It involves weather patterns. You know, this is not something that's just easily um, explainable. So, um, Hey, good for them. Um, and I, I think I wrote and, and I tweeted this to you the other day. I said, this is bad. <laughs> I hope it helped someone. Yes, that that's the big thing. Now, I would I would I don't know if you did this when you were going through this, but did you have a section that was you thought was the standout that was the best? Um, I did highlight a couple of different things because okay for all of the negative stuff that we're saying about this book i would actually recommend that that people hunt it down if they're x-men fans because there is some absolutely gorgeous artwork in this book um the uh charles vest nightcrawler pages are gorgeous um there's a really nice two-page frank miller thing with wolverine oh yeah that that harlan ellison written Frank Miller and Bill Sienkiewicz Wolverine story. Like it's two, three pages. It's good. Yeah. That's some good stuff. Um, there's some Richard Corbin and John Bolton stuff here that doesn't, wouldn't feel out of place in like heavy metal magazine. Um, right. You know, a, a lot of King makes a Kenny pride pun, which is fun. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there, there's some neat little things that, that you could tell that these creators are interacting and having fun and are interested in putting some good stuff out there. It, and, you know, you can hardly blame this many people for having difficulty coming up with something that actually works as a, a, a unified whole. Um, I think yeah. it would be hard for anybody to do that. Right. Uh, yeah, I think it's good. I think it has some bad, bad parts. Like, honestly, Chris Claremont does a storm section that I do not like. I do feel uncomfortable with. And that's, that's the part where she ends up in... in uh, BDSM gear, right? Shocker, Chris Claremont and Storm in BDSM gear. Where have we seen any of those things together before? It is a weird, a weird segment of the story. But there... look, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to king shame Claremont, but you know he has a pattern. You know, no tentacles in this story. <laughs> no, there, are, there are tentacles. Wait, where? There's tentacles uh, at the end. Uh, the, the, the stupid hunger monster or something has tentacles. Oh, you're right. You're oh, right, dude. Stop having, stop being so on brand, Chris Claremont. Wow, I, I, I that kind of bypassed me here. Um, oh. All right, so hmm. where do we? How do you? How do you? We need to take this specifically as the story as presented. It's obviously for a good cause, but is it a good story? No, I'm. No. I. I Mm. I am a little bit tempted to put it all the way at the bottom. Um, however, I hated God loves man kills two so much <laughs> that I'm tempted to put this one slot above it. Um, but here, at least that told a, a story. Um, what are your thoughts here? Here's how I see it. I would never recommend anyone to find God loves man kills two. It's just bad. Yeah. It is. I would, and we did, recommend someone, go find Heroes for Hope. It's interesting. It has some sort of merit and some sort of value to people that God Loves Man Kills 2 doesn't. I agree. Part of it's just because it's an oddity. Part of it's just because it's this 
crazy footnote. Mm-hmm. But another part of it is because, I mean, where else are you going to see Stephen King and George R. R. Martin write the X Men? That's right. Yeah. I mean, that's that's pretty that's a pretty dope thing. So seventeen. I think I think heroes for hope featuring the x-men is a great number 17 logo designed by janet jackson not that janet different, jackson different yes different janet jackson i had to look that up too i was like no no she didn't nope that's not a real thing not that janet jackson yeah oh so if you want to send in some more bizarre bonkers and off the wall x-men stories or if you want to send in x-men stories that you know do good things like donate to famine relief yeah let's let's keep those two in line with each other what you can do is go to xavierfiles.com and go to my requests page it's right on the menu button you hit that button and you can request any story of x-men that you want and we will add it to our list to read the next time or, if you don't want to do that, you can go log on to patreon.com slash Files and pledge $2 to this show, and that would get your request not only in our list, but at the very tippity-top of our list, and we would talk about it the next time we record. So you can do either of those things. There's some good They're options. Fun. I like that. I like the options, too, especially the one where I get money to pay for recording and hosting and all this. That stuff. is helpful, guys. It is it is nice. Though if you do want to be helpful in a non-monetary way, go to iTunes, go to uh Stitcher, go to wherever you're getting your podcasts. Leave a quick little rating and review. It helps yeah. get us up in things. Let us know how we're doing. Let us know. I'd love the feedback. And if you want more feedback on anything, you can go to twitter.com slash Files and follow me and you can give me direct feedback. That's also where you'll find out about my weekly X-Men articles on XavierFiles.com. Adam, where can people find you on the internets? Uh, on the worldwide web? <laughs> the interwebs. Uh, you can always go to adamreck.tumblr.com. That's where I post uh, my artwork and new uh, pages of Vision Jubes, if you like reading that. Um, and you can always follow me at Arthur Stacy on Twitter. Fan. Fantastic. That's three up, three down. We are at 18 on this list. It is growing at a rate that I was not expecting, though I should have because we have a very set schedule and plan. It's great. It's going to keep growing. Until next. Yeah. 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 Until next week. This has been Battle of the Atom. We hope you survived the experience. Get it!